Hello and welcome to episode number 25 of Prosperity by the Pint. I'm your host, Bryce Carter, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. You guys know most of the rest. I'm a self-proclaimed millennial money expert. This is a podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. This week, we have a very special guest, Zach Phillips from Phillips Insurance. He is, I'll let you tell you what you are. What are you, Zach? Yeah, well, as the name implies, Phillips Insurance, I'm an insurance agent. Uh, more specifically, an independent insurance agent. Uh, home and auto. Yes. That, that, those home auto, business, PNC. All right, excited to have Zach here. And Zach is not a beer fan, which I do not discredit anybody against being a beer fan. It's all about your own taste. So I went out and got some uh, some cider, some hard cider for us. This is a craft hard cider, though. As you guys know, we're all about the craft stuff here this is from farmhouse ciders and it's a it's a saskatoon berry cider wild saskatoon berries i grabbed it because that looked funny so let's give it a try cheers zach and i think this is from flushing isn't it i have no idea i think it is i looked at the bottle local that is actually really good doesn't taste like alcohol so i'm i'm game all right that's sweet so zach sweet I wanted to bring you in for a couple of reasons. We talk mostly about, we talk a lot about personal finance, but we also talk a lot about entrepreneurship. Yeah. And you are at the cross section of both those things because as an independent agent, you're truly an entrepreneur, but also personal finance and insurance are extremely commingled. So I wanted to start with the business side of things first and how you got into the business, how your family got into the business and kind of where you guys are at today and, and just, just give us your story. Yeah. So the story of the business is it started in 1917 when there were horse-drawn carriages in downtown Flint. So 1917, uh, 102 years ago. Yeah. 102 years ago in April, my great grandfather started That's got to make you guys one of the oldest insurance agents in the country. You know, I don't know. Insurance has been around for a couple hundred years. So there's yeah. got to have been agents for a couple hundred years. We are the oldest auto owners, uh, family-owned auto owners agency in the country. Which for those of that are listening that are not from Michigan, auto owners is a Michigan-based independent kind of, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe auto owners. Yeah, Michigan-based, they're considered super regional as far as insurance carriers go, and they are, I believe, a Fortune 500 company. Oh, wow. So they're, I, they're, I they, they, are, they have $10 billion, over $10 billion in surplus. So. Okay. So you guys are the oldest auto owners agency oh well it's a play on words we're like the third oldest auto owners agency we are the oldest family owned okay. auto owners agency so it was a, a great grandfather of yours great grandfather sold auto insurance when there were horse-drawn carriages so try selling auto insurance when people are still using horses to get around <laughs> then, yeah name <laughs> pretty <that> difficult <laughs> right <laughs> i think you told me one time that it was like trying to sell a second dipstick in a car yes yeah. yes <laughs> that's what i had been told i've never met my great-grandfather okay. so yeah so uh this the very old business, uh, still family-owned, which is incredible. I think only something like 10% of businesses, make, family businesses make it to the third generation. And you guys are now on your fourth? We're the fourth generation. And I looked up the percentages before. I'm fourth generation in some, less than 1%, yeah. if I remember correctly. Then to yeah. the fourth generation. We're talking to the 1% here, folks. You know, So there you go. So give us kind of the, the timeline on the business and you entering the business specifically. Yeah. So your dad obviously is was in it and your grandfather, right? Yes, yes. So my grandfather and uh, great uncle were in it. They didn't get along. My grandpa bought my great uncle out. Fast forward a few years, my dad back in 1986, 86, 87, bought the agency for my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather was 40 years older than my grandpa, so or than my dad. Oh, wow. So Late the, start. Yeah, late start. My no dad, judgment. <laughs> yeah, my dad was about my age when he bought the business. And uh, actually, we, my dad and I are in the process of transferring ownership right now. So, Oh, wow. So you're going to be taking ownership here very shortly then, I take it. Yeah, we're figuring out what kind of timeline. We have a price point. We have a valuation. Um, 
outside valuation of the well, business. Congratulations. We're talking to an equity partner here. So uh, now, how'd you get into the business? Well, you know, I my when I was eight, how, how much time do we have? Because I can tell a story. But when, I'll, I'll speed you along if okay. we're running short. <laughs> okay, so when, when I was eight years old, apparently, I don't remember this, but I was actually playing motor or remote control cars in the parking lot when my dad was working on a Saturday at yeah. the office. And I walked into the building and I saw Phillips Insurance. And I looked at my dad and I said, Phillips Insurance. I said, Dad, Grandpa used to be your boss, right? Mm-hmm. Well, y- yeah. I said, but now you're Grandpa's boss. <laughs> yes. Well, I want to be your boss someday, Dad. <laughs> so, so the dream, apparently, since I was eight, was to be my dad's boss someday. That's that's one way of doing. It. I I didn't imagine you playing with insurance policies as a kid, as opposed to fire trucks. But I guess that's one way of looking at it. Yeah. So apparently, it's been my plan since I was eight. I don't recall that uh, very conversation, but. Uh, you know, the plan was to keep it in the family, right? You can't right. have it that long. It can't right. be that much history and then not keep the business in the family. Yeah. So uh, when I got into college time frame, my plan was to make money somewhere else and then buy the business later when my dad's ready to retire, keep it in the family, keep it going on. But um, I was working, I moved down to Texas, worked at a nonprofit, came back, worked at Chase Bank, hated Chase Bank. Don't bank with big banks. Yeah, you got to well, fire so your big bank. Episode five, fire your big bank. Fire you your go. big we bank. We have an advocate here for our our podcast. Yes. So I hated working for Chase Bank and uh, didn't matter what I could do. You could sell a million dollars in deposits or a million dollar investment. It didn't make a difference. So um, I'm as far as what you could do personally with your own finances, with your own finances or affecting the organization in a positive manner. Didn't matter. Yeah. 200,000 employees at Chase Bank. Nobody cares. Yeah. Um, So I, you know, a couple years into Chase, I started begging my dad. I said, you know, I need a spot at the agency. I know you don't have room. Um, I can come in as a sales guy. I can do this. And he goes, he kept telling me, I don't have, don't have money. Don't have money. Can't afford the base. And so I said, that's fine, dad. I, I was single, had no debt, uh, made enough money, more money at Chase than I needed to, had it saved up. So I said, give me 10,000, guarantee me $10,000 plus commission. And I'll just take care of it. So you had the, you had the, you had the savings to afford you an opportunity to go into a 99% commission based position and, and survive that in order to be where you are today. Yeah, I could float for a couple of years if I needed to. So. so that's a good. I mean, we've talked about entrepreneurship on this a lot, but making you know saving the money so that way you can you can you know bust bust your ass to get to where you need to be, so you can take the leap of faith that it takes to get you to the entrepreneurship dream that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. So you're a good personal finance story in that regard. Yeah, yeah. I had a, actually a spreadsheet going what it was I earning at Chase and my projected earnings at Chase. Yeah. What's my earnings? At, you know, year one, year two, year three. At the agency and I had a three to four year time frame that if I couldn't make it in three to four years I was gonna have to find something else to do looking for a job yeah yeah so now you're at the agency you're about to be an owner I guess just kind of break down the business for me is is number number of families that you guys serve I mean uh, premiums I know that's an insurance big insurance number uh employees and and what the plan for the future is because that's what we like to look at you know yeah yeah, so uh, employees were seven people, employees seven folks. Uh, premium volume, well, families were over a thousand families that we served day in day out. A couple over a couple hundred of those uh, accounts or families are mine that mm-hmm. I brought into the agency. So about twenty percent of our customer base. Um, and then premium numbers, we hover around four million dollars in premium that we send to insurance companies. Very good. Um, so those are all just that's revenue to the to the company that we send off yeah. to. So, uh, and don't forget to, to drink some of your cider while we're yeah. here, because we got to enjoy it. We got to, you know, it's in the, it's in the tagline all while you're on a, you know, cold beer. So you got yeah. it, but yeah. So, uh, so what's the, what's the growth plan? I mean, now that you're becoming a partner equity partner, I assume that, that 
the next generation now wants to make some changes, wants to do some things to really to really foster growth and, and get to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. So in our in our office right now, um, I earn more than I ever would have at Chase with a lot more freedom, but I'm not nearly to where I want to be. So um, the trick is is steering an old ship, right? Or, or I was actually talking to my father today, and it sometimes feels like you're pulling a wagon with a broken wheel. I'm sorry, Steve. Yeah, well, he <laughs> he actually came up with that phraseology, yeah. but... Um, so I, right now, as far as growing the business, I, I need to double it in the next five years is, is really what That's I'm shooting to do. That's the goal. Yeah. Five, double it in five years, which is certainly feasible. Yeah. Um, in the insurance agency world, in our world, there's two ways to grow the business, acquisition, organic growth. Yeah. Organic growth is marketing, advertising, referrals, um, bringing in those people without paying too much money outside of yep. the advertising budget. Um, acquisition, of course, is buying other agencies. Yeah. So um, I am actively pursuing both. Okay. Uh, Acquisition-wise, I keep I have a running list and of agencies that have old owners that <laughs> don't have a perpetuation plan. Yeah. That I've introduced myself to. That's wise. And uh, all agencies that we could easily afford. A lot of those agencies get bought and sell their financing. So as long as the business can support it, it makes good go. sense. Um, and then as far as uh, organic growth, Would that's where I got to get my dad on board. You're primarily looking at, at, at acquisition growth over organic growth? Not necessarily. Organic growth is more difficult from, to get my uh, father on board with because it takes a lot more work. Okay. Acquisition is you just pay some money, you, you, you buy, you the, buy business, the book. Right? Yeah. Well, I think you know, organic growth can be, can be hard in any industry. Uh, but in in a, in a service industry, which I look at insurance as a service industry, yes. it is uh, it can be difficult, right? Because yet you yet you're looking at um, you're looking at a price based value for the consumer, which was right, wrong, or different. That's what they look at it, right? What yeah. is my oh, yeah. premium? Yeah. And so people will come and go yeah. over things that are outside of your control, absolutely, drastically. So you got to be above and beyond the service level, and you also have to have a competitive offering, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So the organic thing is can be can be harder in any service based industry. But the other aspect of it is you're you're having to turn this ship and, and get into you know the next the next the next thing with your dad, right? And get him on board for that. Yeah, I like multi generational businesses because I'm in a multi general business mm-hmm. generational business. So we, we all kind of share some of the same uh, challenges and opportunities. Yeah, you get yeah. to work with your dad, right? I do work with my dad, yeah. and uh, overall, it's really good. My dad is more uh, uh, hands off and is 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 fine with being like a like a, a, a board member of the organization yeah. and not necessarily having the thumb on the the day to day, which allows us the freedom, and longevity, uh, and latitude, I guess, to do things like podcasts where we drink beer and talk yeah. about money. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> which is working out. Yeah, well, I think so. We have some loyal listeners. Hi, loyal listeners. Um, so Zach, talk to me a little bit about uh, personal insurance. I want to, you know, I, I wanted to get the business story. Got a little bit of the yeah. business story. I'm sure we'll circle back to it some. But but what are the some of the big things that an you know individuals should be watching out for as they're buying personal insurance, home and auto? Some of the biggest mistakes you see, red flags. What do they do when they shop? How do you competitively get a, a you know get a quote? All those kinds of things. Yeah. So. Um Man, see, Bryce wouldn't give me any of these questions before the episode because he wanted to catch me off. I feel off like you so. get authenticity when a person is not prepared. That is true. You do. Yeah. Yeah. So You're we're not polished. I, well, yeah. I, I guess because I asked you eight questions there at once. The first question is, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make when it comes to their own personal insurance? Uh, I, I suppose buying solely on price. So insurance now, it, the price has to be there. Right. And of course, we can't control the price. But the price has to be there. You have to. It has to be affordable. It has to be within the circle of affordability. So, um, buying solely on price, cheapest 
policy possible is probably the biggest mistake we yeah. see. Um, and the reason is, is because insurance is one of those products that people buy because they have to, mm-hmm. right? You got a mortgage, the mortgage company says you have to, you have uh, the government that in all of its wisdom tells us we have to buy auto insurance, right. all that kind of stuff. So um, people buy it because they have to, so they look for the lowest price possible. Uh, but what insurance is a lot like a lot of other products in that sometimes, not always, sometimes you get what you pay for. Right. And because people have to buy it, they're not interested in learning more about it. They just have to get it to comply. So, I mean, there's, because there's coverage amounts and deductibles and all those different components. But me as a consumer, if I'm not a financial expert or insurance expert in any way, shape or form, I have no idea what I, what I should have for uh, coverage amounts, limits, deductibles, et cetera, et cetera. Right, you're getting, you're buying insurance to comply with some re- requirement, whether by right. your mortgage company or state law or whatever. You're buying insurance to comply with a requirement. So people tend not to take much of an interest in what they're buying outside of the price. Yeah. And one thing we stress to our customers is, yeah, the price has to be that we have to find you something affordable. But at the end of the day, I want you to feel good about what you're right. buying. I want you to make an informed decision so on what you're buying. You're taking an education based approach. Yes. Saying, look, if your house is worth three hundred thousand dollars, we don't. You know, we don't want to buy a policy for 250 to cover dwelling and replacement and, uh, you know, loss of possessions and temporary housing, right? We want to buy something that is maybe 500000 Yeah, and Yeah. Is that a bad ex- analogy? Uh, the only thing I would uh, correct there is you say what your house is worth. Insurance companies don't care what your house's market value is necessarily. They care what the rebuild cost Rebuild is. cost. Yeah, so they, you're looking at the rebuild cost, which... In, it's now starting to gain. It's now starting to seek, uh, reach parity, I guess, with market values. Yeah. Whereas before, in 08, 09, you know, twenty ten, people were buying yeah. houses for ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars. Maybe yeah. Ed was doing that. Yeah. And uh, the replace value on that's a lot different. So. So yeah, I mean, it, well, so the the thing I got to know as a consumer is what the rebuild cost is, plus all my possessions, plus what it's going to cost to put me in a, up somewhere where my house is being rebuilt you know, and so on and so forth. And if I don't know that, then I might end up purchasing a policy based on price that's worth way less than what all those things I just listed are. Correct. Yeah. And to give you an example of that, we had a guy who's had a total house fire two years ago, his house, the coverage A, what he was insuring his house for was $300,000. Okay. But after the total house fire was finished, the check he got from the insurance company was close to $750,000. Oh, wow. Because of living expenses, your contents, all sorts of stuff. So, I guess are the same mistakes made on the auto side as the home side, or is that a different line of mistakes that you end up seeing? Uh, so, well, similar in the fashion that people don't seem to take an interest in the coverage part of it. Right. Uh, that's the the same mistake, yeah. but. And this is where I got to I got to knock the the insurance side of things is it's because it's confusing. It is. Yeah. I I'm in personal finance and I look at this shit all the time and I look at complicated financial metrics all the time and I read through my policy and I still don't fully understand it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's just it, it's complicated. And and actually, insurance contracts are written at a sixth grade level, which might make us feel like idiots when we read it, but the verbiage is at a sixth grade level. But there's if ands and buts and go to section five b and. Subject to section 7A. and Who decided all... that that was sixth grade level? I, I, yeah, just, yeah, I don't I, understand that's that. That's what they tell you. Is it's <laughs> supposed to be written to the sixth grade level. Yeah. The words are sixth grade level. You can understand yeah. the words, but reading through the contract is confusing. I get that. So, yeah. but you know, so that's why people, I think, end up attracted to price because they don't understand coverage because coverage in and of itself is confusing as can be. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yep. absolutely. 
So, uh, what I mean, other than based on uh, just just shopping based on price, other mistakes that you see? Yeah, uh, under on auto, you had mentioned auto um, underestimating liability. Okay. So a lot of people carry one hundred over three hundred, so one hundred thousand per person, three hundred thousand per occurrence on their yeah. primary liability limits on the auto. Um, that coverage is only in play and only there and used will only ever get paid out if you kill somebody. If you cause an impairment of bodily function or disfigurement, that's the only time that coverage is ever going to get paid out. Okay. If you kill somebody, do you think $100,000 is enough to for the lawsuit that's coming? No, no. Yeah. Probably not. So, I, you know, to ask a, 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 maybe a dumb question on this, could you have one in three if you just bought a million-dollar umbrella? You can't get a million-dollar umbrella with one in three. Okay, so you have to an umbrella yeah. is an overarching policy that just basically covers liability above and beyond home and auto potential liability uh, things, which I almost always recommend an umbrella policy because they're dirt cheap and they're just an extra line of coverage. Super cheap. So so one in three, 100000 and 300000 of liability coverage is not enough. Yeah, no. Okay, so what 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 is what is I mean, this is maybe very broad because you got to know a person's financial situation. But what is a a good reasonable amount? Yeah, of liability coverage. Yeah, so there's two <clears throat> two things we say in our office if we're having a conversation with the customers. One, what's your net worth? What what assets are you trying to protect? Yeah, we don't have to know all the details, but just tell us, give us an estimate. What's your house worth? What's your retirement accounts yeah. look like? Um, and people get really weird when we ask that. Because we're not a financial advisor. It's because you're creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. Maybe maybe it's a beard and bald head. It's a beard and bald head. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think it's that. So, uh, is is there a certain X times net worth that you should should be should be doing liability coverage for? Yeah. No. Well, that's that's a good question. The liability piece of it's a difficult question to ask or to figure out how much you should buy. Yeah. Um, However, it is very cheap. So typically, we ask people what kind of assets are you trying to protect, and two, buy as much as you can afford because it's cheap. Yeah. It's really cheap, and you can't predict who you're going to hurt or how bad you're going to hurt them. So, I mean, maybe to, if we were going to give a rule of thumb to our listeners that are maybe outside of state, and, and they want their net worth is 300000 and it's mostly liquid cash, what, what should they be looking at liability coverage-wise? At least half a million. Half a million, yeah. yeah. So maybe 2x. 2x your, your, your net worth is a good liability coverage limit. Yeah, I would say at least half a million. Then okay. you can always buy an umbrella. Right, there you go. All right, so that's good to know. Um, so w- w- how can consumers make sure that they're getting a competitive policy for the coverage that they are getting? How do you shop for insurance? Yeah, good question. So uh, that's kind of our one of our key uh, value adds is that we're yeah. independent. So we're an independent agent. We're not beholden to any company. You go to any company, well, most any company you see advertised on TV, are either captive or direct. Captive meaning the agent has to sell that company's products, mm-hmm. or direct meaning you're dealing directly with the insurance company. Now, how many people actually like insurance? Most people, I mean, it's about like buying uh, socks. It's not, a, it's not exactly a thrilling purchase. Well, I think stocks is exciting to buy. You have socks. A, socks. Oh, socks. Oh, okay. Socks. Stocks, that's a different topic. Yeah, yeah depends. Yeah. 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 yeah, socks are not super fun to buy. No, they're not. Like Or detergent. Who wants to buy laundry detergent? Yeah. Yeah. But... Um, Gosh, I forgot where I was going. You were going somewhere I about going. direct and Yeah, oh, right. So people don't like buying insurance. Take and they drink, don't. Zach. You need a break there. <laughs> <laughs> people, hold on. Yeah. People don't like buying insurance, and people don't trust insurance companies. Yeah. But they're going to go buy directly from the insurance company 
from some 1-800 number and you talk to a guy named Rakesh. You know, I mean, somebody you'll never meet, know or see or can't <laughs> uh, understand. So I guess, uh, but don't most of these direct companies have independent lines that are sold through independent agents? They do. We, well, not all of them. Not all of them. But, but some, some of them, them do. Yeah. We call those bisexual companies. Bisexual. That's okay. That's appropriate, I guess, for that term. <laughs> it's, it's not politically it's, correct, it's I'm not, sure. Well, yeah. it's not belligerent either. It's not intended to be insulting. <laughs> so... Um, I guess descriptive, yeah, not I mean, insulting. Kind of yeah. just your best pieces of, of advice for personal finance, uh, for a person on their personal insurance for, for the best financial practices. Yeah. Um, well, you're the financial advisor here. Yeah. So. But I don't know, I don't know property and casualty and home and auto nearly as well as you do. Yeah. So I would say insurance is designed to allow people to accept risk, yeah. right? They're, it's designed to accept, to give you a foundation to protect what you've built yeah. so you can go further. So, um, just look at it that way. Look at you're protecting your current and future assets. And yeah. when you start seeing it in that perspective, you're going to take a more uh, educated approach to buying insurance. Oh, it, it's, I, I, I guess I never really thought about it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. One good marketing idea that you're, uh, you're going to implement and get the old man to implement. YouTube videos, YouTube ads. Okay. All right. I don't know that it's, that's new or fresh, but it's a step in it's the right It's not direction. new. It's new for us, and not a lot of agents do it. <laughs> that's good. Oh, you know, that is true. I think insurance kind of lags behind on marketing creativity. On everything, yes. Well, Zach, I appreciate you being here. This was a good time. This is a good time as always. Uh, Zach Phillips, Phillips Insurance. Your website is? WJPhillips.com. WJPhillips.com. Pay him a visit. Thank you for watching Prosperity by the Pint and listening to Prosperity by the Pint. Be sure to subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Stitcher, wherever you listen, wherever you watch, we're there. Cheers.